Hey everyone, welcome back to Teens These Days. Today we have a very special guest, Kate, with us. Kate, could you explain a little bit about what you're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so my name is Kate Navarrete. I am a junior at Whitman in Bethesda, Maryland, so I live just outside of And I've been interested in fashion from a very young age. I remember being very drawn to models and to fashion specifically because my grandma was super passionate about it and especially high-end designers. And so I kind of got introduced to it that way. And then growing up, I did a little bit of fashion classes here and there just at a very young age. And then when I joined social media closer to middle school, I was exposed to obviously a lot of models platforms, which resulted in a lot of negative mm-hmm. self-comparison, but yes, but also really um, made me intrigued by the idea of modeling and fashion and that sort of sphere. So in terms of inclusivity in fashion specifically, I growing up and I talk about this on my TikTok and my YouTube, just and we'll go into more depth about those later, but I was a very tall kid. I was a very skinny kid and I was also pretty muscular, kind of that muscular look which again growing up a swimmer was probably the best thing I could have had yes but when I hit puberty my body changed a lot and I was actually in a scoliosis back brace for the entirety of my eighth grade year which resulted in a lot of muscle atrophy so I didn't really have that same amount of muscle or that same physique I had previously had and I really struggled to accept my body after that and that's when I developed my two eating disorders which again we'll go into more depth about later but I in recovery now six months into recovery which is I'm clean yeah I'm, I'm super proud of that but I started a body positive alliance at my high school and then I you know I lost touch a little bit with my love of fashion just because again when you're not feeling good about your body and when fashion seems like such a body-centric thing Mm -hmm. it's really hard to feel included by it and I didn't feel included by it I didn't see my body type represented and I kind of realized in May I had this kind of great awakening of wanting to take what I was doing at Whitman with body positivity and bring it number one to a broader scale and number two make it specific to what I want to do which is inclusivity in fashion so all of that collectively is what made me super interested about this specific topic well clearly you've been such an inspiration to teenage girls and guys um, around our community um can you go into a little more detail about how you're advocating for the fashion industry and inclusivity and feel free to talk about your social medias so i again like i said i kind of generated these ideas in may although i started the body positive alliance in the fall of 2019 so my sophomore year at whitman but in may i kind of Again, it was just this COVID deprivation of social interaction. I was feeling super kind of unfulfilled. I just, again, really just dropped off with swimming. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I, 
yeah, <laughs> I was involved with a lot of clubs at school, but I really felt I just kind of uh, I was a couple months into recovery at that point, and I was actually in the first month of kind of the successful part of my recovery, and I was thinking to myself after actually being on TikTok and being um, witnessing so many body positive TikTokers. And at the time in May, I was really noticing Brittany Lancaster, who I'm sure you've heard I of. I love um, I adore yes, her. And amazing. Victoria Garrick. Yes. Were the yes. two, because a friend had actually told me about Victoria Garrick um, previously, because again, she was kind of this athlete who had struggled with binge eating disorder and restrictive behaviors. And I just really connected with her on the sense where it was, I really saw that kind of athlete struggling with body image. And had I found her a year sooner, maybe I'd still be swimming. But um, <laughs> I don't, I'm just, again, I'm happy where I've ended up. But Brittany specifically really inspired me um, with intuitive eating because she had suffered from anorexia and binge eating disorder. And I have uh, suffered from binge eating disorder and orthorexia. So it was actually pretty similar in terms of like how to approach recovery. Do you want and when I saw these... Sorry, do you want to explain those a little bit just for people who oh, are yeah. less familiar? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, obviously, I think there's a lot of eating disorder education specifically around anorexia and bulimia. Yeah, but, but those are the having, ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So having binge eating disorder and orthorexia felt super isolating because it was never talked about. So binge eating disorder yeah, specifically right. is characterized by eating a large amount of food in a short amount of time. And it's not just, oh, I ate too much. Uh, I feel like gross, whatever. It's very specific. It's an emotional response. It can be the result mm -hmm. of other mental health issues. It's very much characterized by a dependence and a coping mechanism, which is food. Um, and orthorexia specifically is an obsession with healthy eating. And this is why it's so difficult to summarize for people because sometimes I'm told, isn't that just healthy eating? And it's, no, it's this obsession possibly, with, right? exactly. I mean, everyone defines health differently, but personally for me, it's about balance mm -hmm. and about adequacy and about all these other characteristics that just leave you being both mentally and physically right. healthy. And I suffered yeah. from orthorexia, which is, again, this unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. And the combination of yeah. the restriction of foods was a big part of what led to my binges. And so that's just a little bit more about the actual definition of those two eating disorders. And then going back to how I'm actually advocating for inclusivity in fashion, which was the original question, <laughs> kind of got straight from the point there. But... <laughs> Once I noticed that, I, I, for some reason, thought I was, like, this genius that had never, like, I was the sole <laughs> person who had, like, thought of, wow, like, why not take this to the internet, um, which, you know, I totally was not. I did not take credit for any of that. But I had originally thought up this idea, what if I expanded the BPA, which is the acronym or uh, for the Body Positive Alliance. I had originally thought, what if I... Uh, did this, like expanded it to other schools and I was kind of thinking, okay, <laughs> how do I do that? And I was thinking to myself, I kind of want a little bit more credit for something. So I'm trying to think yeah. of something I can do with like my personal, you know, just social media platforms. Right. And 
at first I wanted to do TikTok instantly because that in my head was obviously it's such a speedy algorithm. Like people right. blow up so exactly. fast. And then I thought, mm, like I, again, TikTok's a very new platform. So it's not really seen as that legitimate in the eyes of many. Whereas YouTube, even though, um, you know, there's still, there's still some kind of stigma around it. It's much right. more legitimate than it was in previous years. So mm-hmm. I started with YouTube and I made my first video at the end of May and it did very well considering like, you know, it just ton of... It's also really yeah. hard to... On YouTube, so... Oh, exactly, really yeah. The algorithm is yeah. not um, as it's friendly insane. as it is on TikTok. So yeah. <laughs> I, I ended up making that video and it got like almost a thousand views which again for like first video whatever it was great i was getting a ton of outpour i remember getting this one i can't believe i'm even mentioning this but this one crappy comment from some boy in my grade who i did not know and it wasn't directed towards me but it was kind of missing the complete point of what i was saying and then it just kind of sat there for a little bit i did not respond but again i was just it was my first video i was so obsessive about checking the comments and the likes and the subscribers yeah. and everything and so a couple of days later i actually ended up witnessing like 30 girls in my grade who i was acquaintances with just attack the crap out of him and he deleted his comment and then that was that <laughs> And he, like, recommented, oh, uh, never mind. (laughs) He was so apologetic, (laughs) Um, which is just kind of a funny anecdote. But then I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying YouTube. It's obviously, it is so, it is so much easier to make a 15-second video and have it get thousands of views rather than make a 15-minute video, edit it profusely, and then for it to get, like, less than a thousand is just, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, like, what you're putting in versus what you're getting. So, right. In June, which is this is talking about the article specifically, in June, I was sending networking emails like no, uh, like no 15 year old has ever done. Like I was reaching out to (laughs) anyone and everyone I could who had a similar message to me. And I was just again, like I am not the type of person who is necessarily afraid of rejection in the sense where it's if I'm not getting a response, fine. There's always another person I can email. Good. It is. Yeah, which was actually served, and I think that's, uh, honestly. Yeah, oh, that's you're good. Me. You're good. But like action, like we shouldn't be afraid of rejection. Right. Just like a broader exactly. message. If we want to advocate for things, we should not be afraid of getting rejection. Exactly, and just being—I was super secure in what I believed, and I was willing to kind of put myself out on the line for it. So what I ended up doing is. I reached out, I found this publication called Darling, which is where I ended up getting published. And I just, I went on their website and I just fell in love. I, it was exactly, it wasn't specific to like fashion inclusivity or anything because obviously it's a very specific niche, but it was so substantive, which is something in a woman's magazine that I feel like is obviously increasing in prominence now. But I remember growing up, you saw those kind of like teeny bopper magazines where it was this celebrity, like, oh my God, like, look, they're like celebrities. They're just like us, like certain things like that, where it's kind of just lacks a little bit of sustenance. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas 
this magazine was talking about personal narratives, how to overcome anxiety, like what to do, like your age doesn't define you, like all this sort of stuff where I was like, wow, this is so along the lines of what I love. And so I ended up emailing them and I was like, how can I get involved? I love this. And then I was emailing back and forth with a member of their team. And then she kind of redirected me because I told her, you know, I have a little bit of a background in journalism, like just doing school newspaper. And I, she was like, why don't you submit something? So I kind of took that as a, okay, you know what? Like, this is just dropping off. I get it. Like, whatever. And then I just, one afternoon in June, I just sat there for a couple hours and wrote this piece, just exactly what came to my mind. And then I sent it to the email address that she had referred me to. And an hour later, they got back to me and said, they wanted to publish it and oh, amazing that to me was I wasn't expecting a response back for at least two weeks yeah and for it to happen like at 6 30 p.m on like a random night was absolutely insane to and me and so I yeah what were you gonna say I vividly remember reading your article and being like awestruck in it because one you are extremely well spoken but you also write just beautifully and it was something I never thought about as you know like not because I have you know a common body type but it's just because I didn't have you know the exposure exposure to to, and your article really opened my eyes to so much yeah yeah well I'm really glad you enjoyed it um so I ended up again they approved this first submission I just had to sign like this form whatever everything was good and dandy and then a month goes by and obviously like my age had changed I had turned 16 so I because my birthday is in July and I reached out and I honestly kind of thought that they had forgotten about the article I was feeling a little because again I submitted this in June Mm -hmm. um but obviously the process takes much longer I think I was just being a little bit impatient but I reached out to them and I was like oh FYI like I'm 16 now just kind of trying to get gauge like and then they responded so quickly and were like oh yeah okay great we'll update it like you know it was I just wanted to kind of make sure it was still in their uh peripheral and what ended up happening was during that month of July you know I had gotten a little impatient I wasn't feeling great about YouTube I had just um kind of been feeling a bit stagnant and so I said to myself Kate you know what you need to do and I was like okay I'll create a TikTok <laughs> so two days after my 16th birthday I vividly remember this I created my first video and it started getting a lot of views and I was so confused I was like wow it's that easy um and it got like my first video, I, you know, I had a previously had this TikTok account, like less than a hundred followers just to make like funny videos with my friends. But I definitely was not, I mean, I was embarrassed to show like the lower half of my face. I was not confident at this point. I was recovering, but I was not, I not confident. And so I made this account and which I kind of previously used just for a different purpose. And I deleted all my old videos. I was like, we're starting fresh. And I made my first video and it ended up getting like 300 likes, which in the TikTok scheme is not the most ever. But then my second video kind of got around the same one. And then my third video blew up. And I was so awestruck by that. And it was kind of this addictive thing. It's at, I think that video is at like, 
600,000 views right now. And I, I mean, for my third video and for me to just like for people to be commenting, it was the video where I was showing why clothing size doesn't matter and kind of trying on different, um, pieces from different brands that were totally different sizes, but actually fit me like either very similarly or very differently. Um, and for people to just be in the comments and like resonating with that, like was just something so foreign to me and for people like thousands, like hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm. of people who I like didn't know to see that video was absolutely insane and more exposure than I think I ever could have gotten on YouTube. Um, present mm-hmm. like at that at that t- at that time. Um, but and then I started, you know, like making videos, being consistent with it. And obviously, not every video is going to blow up. Right. And then I had a couple more videos down the line, and then that one really blew up. And that's actually my most viewed video. That's at almost seven hundred thousand views. And that's then, amazing. Yeah, it was just very. And then again, like TikTok is the type of thing where. I mean, off the bat, I had so many ideas and I was getting so creative. I have a list in my phone of like literally probably a hundred ideas that I have to make <laughs> for videos. And then, you know, I obviously started this with like less than a hundred followers and that and now I'm at like over 5,000. So it's been like a couple months have like, you know, like pretty like consistent growth. Right. But, um, I, TikTok again is this thing and like, we can talk about this a little bit more later. So I might just skip over it now, but, um, then fast forward a couple months still using tiktok consistently kind of dropped off of youtube for a little bit might go back there at some point not really sure um i do have some things coming up that are actually very 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 exciting um one of them i can reveal because one of them is not 100 percent certain Mm -hmm. but um i am currently working on with the body positive alliance at my high school i'm currently working with um a specific domain to create a global body positive alliance and um, making it so that people can start chapters at their high schools and their colleges around just kind of (laughs) hopefully around the world I don't want it to just be a domestic thing Um, because actually some girl uh, reached out to me over Instagram DM and said hey I saw your TikTok I saw that you created a body positive alliance at your high school I want to do something similar how can I do this and I'd initially responded to her just talking about a little bit of what I do at my club um and you know i didn't even think to expand the bpa until it kind of just hit me oh my god that girl even if just that one person who showed interest in wanting to create something i thought to myself wouldn't so many other people want to create something like this you know i feel like it's such a specific i think it's such an inclusive thing and obviously the world needs more of that Mm -hmm. and so I and obviously I want to spread my message as far as I possibly can so that was something that uh came to mind pretty recently towards the end of September actually and I started doing and in terms of just fashion inclusivity I'm in the process of applying to agencies and just kind of getting my name out there and obviously you got to kind of be the change you want to see Right. So I'm literally <laughs> if I'm if I want my body type represented in fashion, then like why don't I represent myself in fashion? So that's kind of my stance on that. And then the last thing I'll talk about is I participated in uh, a course called New York Fashion Week Next, which was hosted by Endeavor Impact, which is uh, a larger company that owns WME, IMG, uh, other fashion companies, and. 
From there, I was learning a lot about the industry itself. Obviously, I'm not, I don't want to come into this kind of just thinking I can immediately take over. Like, there's a bit of a hierarchy. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to just educate myself as much as possible, but at the same time, not letting like the need for education refrain from actual action. So I'm just trying to develop as many skills as I can to represent that and I'm just really excited to see where this takes me so <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's that, awesome Katie yeah. I love that so our next question is I think we all know the answer to this or we don't know the specific answer to this but we all know that the fashion industry needs to evolve why do you specifically believe that it needs to evolve and how can teams like us take part in making it into a more just welcoming environment for all body types, all girls, all guys, everyone, including everyone. So how do you think that it should evolve? So um, you might have to remind me about how teens can take action in this sense. But <laughs> specifically, I'll use a bit of a personal anecdote. So yes. the title of my article is actually Why the Fashion Industry Needs to Evolve, which isn't, which I kind of originally thought was a a working title again because this editing process was very minimal it was supposed to right. be super personal so I really just I took that personal narrative and I kind of just titled it that because that was something obviously that I feel like was a bit more attention grabbing and at the same time I really truly believe that the fashion industry does need to evolve and the reason for it being again I'll go into a bit of a personal anecdote about this I joined social media. Uh, I got my Instagram account in 2015. I was 10 in 2015. Um, you were young when you got yeah, it. Yeah, I was, I was very, very young, and I was very, very impressionable. And social media is not a safe space for young, impressionable people, and it is honestly unavoidable for this generation to be on social media, which is so beneficial in so many ways and so detrimental in others. Um, I became obsessed with models, uh, like obsessed, Cara Delevingne, Kendall Jenner, Gigi Hadid, mm -hmm. um, Carly Kloss, the likes of them, uh, Taylor Hill, Romy Stride, all right. these people. And I, I just, I worshiped thinness and I worshiped height and all these other things because even in swimming, those things were preached too. It right. was, I always fit this mold. I always fit this tall, skinny mold. And I thought, that was the most valuable thing I could have. I was completely basing my worth as a human being into my appearance. Um, and then moving into sixth grade, again, still a very, very, very skinny kid. I was 11 years old. You know, 11-year-olds tend to be that way. Um, but I started less worshipping these people and more comparing myself to them oh, and, and again these are at the time these were like over girls who were over 20 years old like I was 11 <laughs> I was comparing myself to a retouched perfected version of a 21 year old like that is mm -hmm. absurd and so right. I and that is really when I think I started to kind of witness diet culture itself which is um for the viewers who don't know the system that kind of dictates like promoting insecurities in order to profit so things that like diet pills and waist trainers and all these other products and stuff that are intended to help you look a certain way um would be associated with diet culture and it's a very 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 toxic thing 
Very. Um, mm-hmm. And so I started kind of, I'm so glad TikTok was not around when I was that age. Obviously, musically was, but nothing in musically was remotely like, harmful. Right. <laughs> like, right. I, and I wasn't really on musically either, but I was heavily on Instagram. Like, I was obsessed with it. And I, again, I started kind of witnessing these, like, diets and this stuff. And I was like, I kept on seeing people wanting to achieve this body type that I had. Mm-hmm. And because I was so young, you know, like, of course I was going to have it. I, I didn't hit puberty yet. And so then I entered seventh grade, kind of same deal, eighth grade. I just was never super insecure about my body, but I did compare it very heavily to other people. And then after I got out of my back brace and again, I've always been a tall kid. I love mm-hmm. being tall. It's never been an insecurity for me. Um, but when I entered high school, and I remember this very distinct moment, um, taking homecoming pictures with my friends freshman year. And I saw the pictures and I was like, I look like that. I thought I was like, I thought I was so much bigger than my friends and that I like, what the hell was like happening to me? Like whatever. I just was panicked, like literally panicked. And my clothes started not fitting me again. I was just hitting puberty. I'm not going to be a size two anymore. Like big rip. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wish I, yeah, exactly. And Mm so I was like, oh my God, I like uh, gained like 10 pounds, whatever. Exactly. Completely natural. And again, I just wish I could go back and like shake my 14 year old stuff in the head. But, um, I felt And I had always been this crazy experimental kid with fashion. I, in, I kind of decided I really liked dressing up like halfway through fifth grade. And I, in middle school, I was super obsessed with the preppy look, like Lily Blitzer and your vines, that type. Mm -hmm. And then in seventh grade, I wanted to be edgy. And I, oh my God, I never went full emo, not even remotely close because I didn't know how to, but I would wear like gray. And I think I was like so edgy. Like it was this (laughs) crazy thing. And then in eighth grade, I, wowza, I wore like litter boots and furry jackets and pleather leggings, like everything you could possibly imagine and then when I got to ninth grade I just and even though looking back on it I'm like wow that was crusty I still was just kind of not giving a crap you know and then fashion is supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be experimental and it's not supposed to make you feel bad about yourself but as soon as I got to high school it made me feel awful about myself I would only wear denim shorts and t-shirts and I literally would not wear anything else because I felt so awful about my body and anytime I wear these like extra quote-unquote outfits that I had worn in the past I would feel so self-conscious and then when I entered my sophomore year so about a year ago Mm -hmm. that like took off completely I just would not wear clothes that hit my body. I was like dreading the idea of summer and having to wear clothes that expose my body. I was just so insanely self-conscious. And honestly, at that point, I obviously had developed my eating disorder freshman year, at the beginning of freshman year. So I had put on some weight just from the binge eating and I was not feeling good about myself with swimming or with anything. And The reason why I'm using this as a personal anecdote is because I want to give a personal approach to this is not 
even though sometimes this experience for me, like this eating disorders and this over, like the sensory overload with social media can feel like such a personal thing. Mm -hmm. I know that other people have had similar experiences to me, like watching toxic what I eat in a day is on YouTube or listening to freely the banana girl. (laughs) I would personally sucker punch her, (laughs) but I just, I genuinely do not want a single other person to have to experience or feel what I went through. And for that reason, if I'm not going to tell people what is so wrong with it, then I am not, I feel like I'm not doing my job. And so what, why I personally think the fashion industry needs to evolve is because I'm not saying people can't be thin because some people just are thin. I understand the history behind having thin kind of straight size models just from a actual like design perspective. But I also understand that this body type of a model, um, like again, an example like Gigi or Kendall kind of became this symbol of the beauty standard, which I don't think personally that that was the intention of it just because again it is a very much a design thing but I think it has evolved so much into that and especially just as a society we worship thinness and beauty standards and body types are trends rather than just letting people be because again profiting like this slim thick look is super trendy right now and I I just, I was so tired of feeling bad about myself and punishing myself for something that I couldn't achieve. And I had said, if I had seen a diverse uh, group of body types in like as famous models when I was in sixth grade, I would, I think I'd have a very different experience than I did. And I think it's so important. It's not about representation for one group and not another it's about representation for all groups because I think everyone should be able to feel like they see themselves represented and that expands to both the entertainment industry the film industry and the modeling and fashion industry right um right so that's personally why I think it needs to evolve just so that experience that I had doesn't happen to anyone else so that people Mm -hmm. feel represented so that people can feel good about themselves rather than being bullied into hating themselves right um yeah and adding on to that um like if i'm walking into victoria's secret there's this big billboard do you know what i'm talking about at the mall mm -hmm. where there's these skinny models walking down the runway and they portray it as the fact that you have to be skinny in order to walk on that runway and just as like a teenage girl seeing that it makes you feel so awful about yourself because these models are portrayed as the beauty standard and beautiful which they are but you we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to them and brands shouldn't be advocating for this specific body type I agree. Yeah, I think that it's, I mean, again, like the more we just preach this one very linear, usually unattainable standard, the more we're just going to cause so much Mm -hmm. um, self-esteem detriment to a young, impressionable audience and even older people. Like it's, even though diet culture and Victoria's Secret fashion show and all these things are just kind of joked about and incorporated into our culture, it's not it's it's an issue and 
in terms of how teens can get involved because I think a lot of people ask me what can I do what can I do um again like if you go to Whitman join the BPA um, <laughs> I think a great I think everyone whether they realize it or not has a platform on social media even if you're like I have 500 followers you still have 500 followers mm-hmm. um and you know they're not your fans but they could just be people <laughs> you know um and I think social media advocacy I know there's the criticism obviously that it can has a tendency to be performative but I, I think in terms of body positivity um as long as you're just kind of practicing what you preach you're all good but right. I think supporting brands that are inclusive you know ditch the Victoria's Secret ditch the Brandy Melville like no being able to fit into a size zero should not make you inherently more valuable or make you feel better about yourself than someone who is a size 14 to 16. I think a big issue is that I'm guilty of this. When I was like in middle school and I like went to Brandy Melville and I fit into the clothes, I felt better about myself. Why was I feeling better about myself for fitting into a brand? The clothes should fit you your body does not need to change to fit clothes. That was another thing I really you're, struggled with. You're Being so able to shop at stores that were intended for people my own age. I can't really buy super cheap clothes because they usually won't fit me correctly. And that's something I kind of am like frustrated by too. It gives me an excuse to buy nicer clothes, <laughs> which I do love. But um, it can be kind of isolating a little bit. And it's like people can think, like on the outside, people may be like, oh, like wow like you're just so much more mature but at the same time I'm like it kind of makes me feel bad about myself a little bit so just again supporting brands that are inclusive just giving more recognition to people who are preaching body positivity and who are preaching self-acceptance or intuitive eating or anti-diet culture whatever it is Mm -hmm. giving these people as much of a platform as we possibly can I feel like is the way to go it's just a simple follow, just engage, interact, share, like, comment, whatever it is. Right. Um, right. Giving these people a platform. Additionally, advocating on your own social media platforms. Or if you're really uh, interested in, like, kind of doing this more, just uh, kind of getting involved. And, mm-hmm. like, from an active perspective, like, uh, whether it's kind of taking a course similar to what I did or just getting more education around the history of this and, um, using that to do uh, what I've similarly done but from just kind of a you don't want to enter the fashion industry this is just something you're passionate about perspective again social media activism interacting with positive creators um, and like I said not supporting size exclusive brands giving your money I mean hopefully towards sustainable fashion that's something I'm working on and also size inclusive stores mm-hmm. I think it's all super important to just give as much recognition and attention to stores that are sending a positive message because that in turn will kind of, you know, Victoria's Secret, I don't know if you knew it, but the show was canceled. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, I mean, before COVID too. It's because they were um, accused of a number of things, but um, a big one was just the exclusivity. um, And like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like they should be. I can't say I don't exactly. They sh- as if, they should. <laughs> exactly. If they don't, um, you know, that brand is a very complicated thing. So yeah. It, yeah. To that. Um, but 
yeah, I like just let's give more attention to brands like Aerie and Girlfriend mm-hmm. Collective and Universal Standard and Tanya Taylor and I'm just to name a few that are really preaching acceptance and having diverse models and whatever it is. So that's how I would get involved. That's I 100% agree. So next, I think this leads us perfectly into our next question, but how does social media actually our generation how does it impact how we perceive ourselves well i think it can be a very negative thing um even self-comparison so just from i think it's uh, obviously you're seeing celebrities and influencers who i know some i am so guilty of this too you see these people and you're telling yourself okay this is retouched this is edited this is whatever but something deep down still makes you feel like, oh my God, no, that was totally a candid. They just put like one filter on it and then it looks perfect. They look right. perfect. It's always yep. perfect. I'm and guilty of that as well. So Exactly. Guilty. It's like yeah. if you're cognizant of it, it's still kind of hard to like really Except reframe that. that. Right. Yeah. Right. So what I specifically think is how uh, our generation is impacted by social media is actually really negative. Um, We're just like we're seeing the most perfect retouched, filtered versions of our peers. Not people like even okay. Separate this from celebrities, people we know. That is what is so difficult about social media. It's like you know these people in real life, and it just makes it feel that much worse. Like when I see girls um, on my Instagram feed who look like they have these perfect bodies and these fun lives and these great like hangouts with their friends mm-hmm. whatever it, is, it makes me feel like crap me too. and I it's just it's not even Instagram impacts how we perceive our lifestyles it impacts how we perceive our bodies it impacts how we perceive our day-to-day like no one's gonna post on Instagram an unfiltered picture of like them crying and them being upset or them struggling with mental health issue or a family issue or them having their heart broken like nothing Mm -hmm. of nothing of that sort is usually portrayed on social media and what we're exposed to is the pretty filtered version of them doing something really fun and cool and it looks like they're happy and that they are living the best life even though that person could be hurting more than any of us and it's so hard to not compare your lifestyle to people specifically I know that's what I've struggled with it looks like sometimes people are going to the coolest spots in DC and that they're going to all these places and I'm like I want that and if I don't achieve that then I'm going to be unhappy which is so not true and I think what I've done is kind of just stopped following people I don't know. You know, like mutual friends here and there, I'll be like, sure, like I'll make an exception. But I just, in quarantine, and it's nothing against these people I don't know. It's just that I don't know them. And it's like, if I'm comparing myself to more strangers, I don't I don't need that. Right. Um, unfollowing people who make you feel bad about yourself and like following people who make you feel good. Because again, like social media has this, twisted way even on tiktok people are like but tiktok's a video you can't retouch a video yes you can yes you can (laughs) yes you literally can i don't use beauty mode in my video because i think it's an unrealistic center but i'm a very aesthetically driven person i do like to use one consistent filter because it makes me feel better about like my uh, this is so dramatic but anyways um i just yeah social media has very detrimental impacts on us it 
many studies have shown that it makes us more depressed, which is so unfortunate. That I went on at a young age. I could have waited until like eighth grade, but my 10 year old self was like, no, my friend just got Instagram. So I need it. Like, I, it's just, it's about, I feel like a solution to that is about minimizing your exposure. First of all, I've started to try to set app limits, even though I never follow them. Um, Me too. Also, Me too. My again, timer. Un- yeah. Yeah. My little rule of thumb is if I see a picture of someone and not necessarily someone that I know, just a celebrity, and I feel the need to change something about myself, whether it's my body, whether it's my lifestyle, whether it's whatever, I immediately unfollow them. Because I'm like, I, if you look at someone and you think, oh my God, I should go do X, Y, Z now, that's toxic. And again, just, it's so, again, the pierce thing, the piercing is the struggle of it because you're not going to unfollow people you know. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people, following people you know can make you feel really bad about yourself. So again, that's where kind of just the minimizing your exposure comes into play. Muting certain people, they won't know if you mute them. (laughs) They won't know. Um, I've never personally muted anyone because I'm like deep down afraid that they'll know, which they won't. But it's just, I think, unfollowing certain people that make you feel bad about yourself or kind of just minimizing your exposure to social media in general. Because again, it does have these very detrimental mm-hmm. impacts on us. Right. Um, yeah. It's about social media. My mom's always like, why don't you just get off Instagram? Like, I can't do that. We can't do that. We live in this exactly. day and age. It's a, it's a of, part of our culture right. now. And it so is. instead of, you know, a Gen Xer proposing that solution to me, just doing cognizant things, it's not really that realistic for me to go off of it. So maybe just only going on it for like maximum like 30 minutes a day or something or um unfollowing people who make me feel bad about myself or just only kind of keeping it more of a tight circle like trying to follow people that I know rather than just to get a follow back because that's a big weird issue on Instagram exactly it is it's it's dumb social media really just makes us think about things we never would have thought about if we didn't have it exactly yeah so lastly just to sum this all up, what would be your biggest piece of advice for those who are struggling with their body image? So I would say, and I was thinking about this actually, just reading this over before we started, it's a huge mindset thing. I think I used to tell myself all the time, and I know a lot of people are guilty of this, I will be happy when I look a certain way. That's a very common narrative. It is. I'll be happy with my body when I lose X amount of weight, or I'll be happy with my body when my figure is this shape, or whatever it is, or I'll be happy when I fit into this size dress. No, you won't. Because going through, I guess I had a period of time where I was like in an intense, restrictive, just self hatred cycle. I was never happy with myself, no matter what weight I was. Like, Mm -hmm. never. And I am not the heaviest I've ever been now. I don't really put that much weight into weight. <laughs> like if that's kind of redundant, but you know what I mean. Um, yes, that's awesome. I have, like, I'm not the heaviest I've ever been. I've just naturally lost a little bit of weight just from binge eating recovery. Um, and it's not this, like, like, losing five or ten pounds that's made me feel good about myself because I, at one point, was like much lighter than that and still felt awful about myself and was not like mentally healthy in that sense and I didn't have a good relationship with food but it's about 
I feel like TikTok has made me a lot more confident too. I know it can make people feel really bad about themselves, but go again, both ways. Yeah, yes, I'm very immersed in the body positive community, and that has made me feel so good about myself. Um, and just really like I didn't. I mean, I you'll notice like on my Instagram feed, I don't, I haven't posted pictures of myself like like just me for a very long time up until recently, and that's because I was ragingly insecure about my body mm-hmm. and. I think the biggest piece of advice that I can give to people is, especially with this generation, follow some body positive TikTokers. I swear, it literally makes all the difference. I don't know if my recovery would have even been, because again, I mentioned this on my TikTok, I attempted recovery multiple times and it never worked because I was constantly surrounding myself with the same crappy messages and I was constantly telling myself, okay, but like, you just want to lose weight because of binge eating. And then as soon as I just accepted my body for what it was, and changed my mindset. This is a big thing too. Every time you say, even out loud, like a self-deprecating joke, your brain doesn't actually know that you're joking. Mm-hmm. And so it will literally believe that. And yes. I think just to get a little bit spiritual, but this is just an objective thing too. What you think and what you believe creates the reality around you. Right. So if you're telling yourself, right. I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm never going to be good at this. Those things right. would be true. Right. But if, yeah. again, if you're telling yourself, I am beautiful, I am worthy, I am strong, I am like going to kick ass today, whatever it is, that, those things aren't necessarily guaranteed to happen one way or the other. If you keep on like repeating that to yourself and just have this cognizant mindset shift, it makes all the difference. Because right. I did not feel confident in myself when I was like losing a certain amount of weight or when I fit into a certain pair of jeans I felt most confident I feel most confident in myself right now because I know I'm treating my body well in terms of my relationship with food and exercise I am advocating for what I'm passionate about and I'm really just like jumping at opportunities that might not otherwise have been presented to me if I didn't put myself out there and so I am just super adamant about creating your own reality in the sense of instead of looking at your also I know body positivity can be hard for some people so I talk about body neutrality a bit too which is basically just saying instead of looking in the mirror and saying I hate my stomach say to yourself I have a stomach this is my stomach and digest foods for me like a very objective thing it may seem a little bit monotoned and um kind of just bleak but it really, it's kind of the first step, as I put it, where it's like, you don't have to say to yourself when you're crying in the mirror because you don't like the way you look, I love myself, whatever, because that can feel impossible, but just say, this is my body. Start there. Start with that self-acceptance. Start at any time you say in your head, I don't like myself. Say to yourself, I'm fine with myself. This is me. I'm okay with this. And then kind of gravitate in towards the, I like love that my body can do this for me I appreciate this like just very cognizant mind changes I know specifically there are certain classes I'm taking this year where I'm like taking physics I'm not a STEMI person and I have just beaten myself up I've been like oh my god I'm gonna fail this class (laughs) (laughs) I literally think I just I'm literally telling myself no I am a great physics student I am like doing this so well whatever whatever because eventually if you start telling yourself something you're going to believe it and that goes both positive and negative and so like do you really want to spend your life just hating yourself and letting old white men profit off of your insecurities (laughs) 
I don't think so. So it's important to just really, really be cognizant <laughs> of what you're saying to yourself. And even if it's a joke, again, even if it's a joke, just be kinder to yourself. Mm-hmm. Think mm-hmm. positive thoughts. It's not going to come right off the bat. I still have negative thoughts a lot of the time, but it's about kind of getting that like person number two in your head and being like, nope, redirect. It's just about kind of your first initial thought. There's like this saying, your first initial thought is kind of just what comes from your ego, what comes naturally. And then your second thought is really like who you are. Like if you're mentally correcting yourself, then I truly believe that that makes all the difference. So that again, that mindset shift is my biggest piece of advice because, you know, I have seen it work for myself. I see it work for people I'm mutuals with on TikTok. And that is just the biggest difference because you will not feel beautiful until you tell yourself that you are it's not about looking a certain way or having a certain job or making a certain amount of money or being whatever it's about just creating what you want now and just like knowing that you don't have to achieve kind of this material expectation in order to feel good so exactly exactly and adding on to that right no one else will be able to change how we think of ourselves unless it's ourselves right so yeah you you can have people tell you you're beautiful or you're i want your body and that still will not make you feel better because it's not coming from you and from within so like this is you said this but believing that you are beautiful yourself and like having a good mindset or uh, trying to have a good mindset because eventually you should be able to get there if you just clear away the negative thoughts or just push them aside and look at yourself, characterize yourself based on your actions and your personality and not based on your physical appearance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. It was so nice to talk to you today, Kate. Yeah, um, thank you guys for, so much for having me on. I feel so cool that I got invited today. <laughs> yeah, we both learned so much. And this is honestly just really eye-opening and just great to talk about because it's seriously so important in our in our day and age. Yeah, I think it's a topic that obviously, like, we all kind of hear about. We see some of the bigger body positive influencers talking about this again, like Brittany and Victoria and Clara. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, I don't know, like, it's such a big, prominent thing. And it's, you know, I I would call it up and coming for sure. So just put put some stocks into it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kate. You're amazing. Thank you guys for having me. Bye, guys, and we'll see you next episode on Teens These Days.